Welcome to the Tech Sales Show, where we are dedicated to making you a better tech seller, sharing tried and true sales strategies and answering your questions weekly. What's up, Brian? Hey, hey, Bobby. Here we are, episode two of season eight, end of year review best practices. Uh, last week, we did a lot of talking about the company and your manager and how maybe the manager's leadership team really views the end of year review process. Uh, we're all probably either preparing or right in the midst of, of our interview, end of year review process with our companies. Uh, so we hope this is a timely series for everyone. Brian, any thoughts from last week uh, before we get started in this week's? Yeah, it was good. It was, you know, this is a really timely series because people are coming up on and getting prepared for their own annual reviews. So in most cases, I get it that different fiscal years tend to lead to different review processes. But uh, it was good to get the feedback from everyone uh, on the series. And uh, Bobby, one of the things that you'd mentioned uh, that you did around categorizing emails, it's a process that I started doing. So I traditionally just kept it all in a folder. Uh, but I started using the categories since our conversation last week. Great. And we'll talk a little bit about that some more today as well. Um, and if you're not at your end of your review process, just hit pause, pick a different episode to listen to, and come back to this one about 90 days before your interview review, and all of it will make a lot more sense and be timely. Uh, with that, let's get started. So the quote for this series, uh, we've started doing this, is, In business, words are words, explanations are explanations, Promises are promises, but only performance is reality. That is from Harold Guinea, who is the who is the old president of ITT Corporation. And man, doesn't that ring true? Uh, every quarter, it's like, uh, what have you done for me lately? But it is all about performance in the in the corporate world. I like it. I like it. I heard another one that I like that was very timely too. It's uh, when all is said and done, there will be a lot more said than done. <laughs> no doubt about that. Um, and that, that kind of is a great segue into this week's, right? We're, we're, we first week we talked about getting started, you know, thinking about the business and how the business feels about end of year reviews this week in episode two, we're going to talk about getting prepared. So how do I get prepared stay prepared keep working on stuff throughout the year for this end of year review? And then next week we're going to talk about getting rewarded. So how do we take all the work we've done, the collecting of that work we've done, and then using it to uh, get a big reward on that day of our uh, annual review. So let's jump right in. This is getting prepared. Often uh, when I've been on teams or I've managed teams, it always seems that two weeks before the big day is there, everybody starts trying to collect the data, Brian. Have you ever been in a team meeting like, hey man, where are you getting all your attainment data? 100%. Hey, how do I find out how many wins I had here? How, how, you know, what, what about this project here? Everyone's kind of frantically searching through their calendar or trying to access the commission tool that, that ne never quite worked right for them over the course of the year. Yeah, I've even had a few people ask me about my big wins, and I just know that they're going to put them down on their sheet, <laughs> and it's not going to be remembered were they a part of that deal or not a part of that deal. I've had people take credit for every bit of work I've done uh, because at the end of your review time, these, these deals get talked about. I mean, we say it a lot. We're never going to stop saying it, but that's average at best. I mean, think about what you've done, put it down, keep track of it all year, and it'll be a whole lot easier for you. Last week... We gave you a number of ideas on how to collect the data. We're going to talk a little bit more about that today. But 
it could start for you today. Start trying to track the good things you're doing. Start trying to track the things you're measuring. You doesn't have to wait for your next cycle to start. Start practicing today to getting all that data put together. Um, so that, that's section one of this podcast is pull it all together. So let's discuss a few ways. Brian, you mentioned the tasks. For me, tasks is a great way. Uh, and, and tasks is more the to-do items that I'm doing for my business. But I'm categorizing those. So if in Outlook, you're an Outlook user, uh, you can categorize emails. You can add keywords and flags in, in Gmail if you're a Gmail user. Every email platform has some way that you can, I'm sh- assuming, right-click it and, and put it in a bucket of things. So at Microsoft, I had seven commitments. At Dell EMC, I've got one focused commitment that is all about um, my attainment. And then I have a few other not necessarily MBOs that I get paid on, but they're things that are being measured. They're going to make a difference whether or not I get a raise. Um, Brian, you said you just started using tasks. How might you have used folders or whatever in the past to keep track of all this stuff? Yeah, so I, I don't use tasks. Actually, I use the categories. So that's that's a new thing for me. I've always I've always used the categories on the calendar for Outlook, but I just started using categories for emails. So what I typically did is I would create a separate folder for end of year stuff. And it, let's say that it was like a kudos or if it was a, a project that I'd received feedback on or if it was a win, I would just drag that email into that folder. The challenge always kind of comes about is if you're if you're organized, if you organize your life around folders and you've drug those things into those folders, well then unless you're searching, it's going to be difficult to find. So I started using the categories based off the conversation we had last week. And it's it's a lot easier, and it's it's actually just quite natural to click on categories and select end of year review. Um, I've also yeah, I'm a big user of Trello. I love Trello. I'm sure I'll burn out on it as I, as I do on all kind of to do lists or task lists. After a couple of years, two or three years, I, I need to make a switch just to to refresh myself. But um, I use and I've have used Trello for a period of time, and that's a that's a great way to stay organized. I basically just have a list made in my work folder for all of my uh all of the things that may pertain to end of year uh, work yeah and so that brings up a pretty good point the the tasks are one way i keep up with the to do's the categories is definitely can be a, tied to a task can be tied to a calendar event or it can be tied to an email so let's just say uh, we talked about stretch projects a few weeks ago let's say you have a stretch project that's helping you get a merit badge which is a pretty big piece of your annual review so I could easily have a category that said stretch project business manager and everything that I was getting email meetings on my calendar tasks because I'm getting assigned something from my boss. All those could be categorized for stretch project business manager. And I could easily search for all that data and say, look, as I, you asked me to take this project on, I had 14 meetings with leaders. I had 37 to-dos that you gave me that I, I completed all of them to your satisfaction. And I had, you know, hundreds of emails. So it, it'll put in perspective just exactly how much work you did for that stretch project. And there's really no better way to keep track of all that stuff. And you won't have to search for the data at the end of the year. It'll be right there at your fingertips. Yeah, agreed. That I, I probably, the way I'm using categories now it is just slightly different. I'm not tagging everything, but I'm tagging the most pertinent pieces. So, um, 
yeah, there'd be maybe there's two ways to do it. Maybe there's tagging all of the you know you can show all of the work um, by tagging everything that happened to do with that kind of transaction with that category. What I'm doing is I'm kind of picking one or two um, emails or yeah, really just emails that pertain to that project, and then flagging those so then I can because it, you know, it never fails, right? You'll get to the end of the year, and for us, for both of us, it's the end of January. And I'll look back, and I'll, of course, it will be top of mind what happened in Q4, the wins in Q4, the projects in Q4. But I'm always struggling to think back to Q1. And uh, this, this will really help me uh, keep it all in line for the end of the year. The, the reason I would, I would say that a more of an MBO or a commitment by, might be something you'd flag more items than just the email. Um, one other thing I do is, and you can have multiple categories on each item, and then we'll yep. move on, but it, as it relates to my customer meetings every time i have a customer meeting i flag that category in my calendar because every manager i've ever worked for wants to know are you going on enough meetings and it's very easy mm-hmm. for me to pull up and show how many customer meetings i've been on i use a category for customer activity uh, that's more like a happy hour or something like that so i can really articulate quickly how many i've done this week this month Etc. And there's no reason why I couldn't put other categories on those items as well. The other great way to collect and share some of your performance data is a commission tool or an attainment tool. If you don't have one, uh, this is one you really need to build and have at your fingertips, whether you do it in Excel or Google Sheets. You, you, you need to keep track of what's my quota, what's my attainment against that quota. Many companies now have many different buckets and things. I find it almost comical that when I meet and talk with salespeople, they don't know what their monthly goal is. They don't know what their quarterly goal is. We've talked about this many times over, but you need to, you need to track that. It shouldn't be your manager's job. If you have a tool, great. But if you have that tool, know the data and know where you're tracking towards with that, that'll make it real easy for you to articulate how you did when the end of year comes up. Yeah, agreed. And I know we've got a lot of listeners that are in inside sales and, uh, that are kind of focused on volume and, and making contacts with prospective customers and setting up meetings, set up your own Google Sheets. Um, get you know you keep track and you own it yourself and know how what's your performance week over week. Show trends. It's so easy to spit up a Google Sheet or Excel document that you're dropping your attainment stuff into, um, and it'll just make you that much more prepared. You can show trend lines. Maybe it even helps you to. Um, motivate yourself a bit if you can show growth over the course of a, of a fiscal year in like customer connects or uh, new meetings set up, that kind of stuff. To that point, most CRMs will do that too. Yeah. So if you have that tool, use that tool first and foremost because I'll tell you what, the average people aren't keeping that data up to date like they should and it would be easy for you to shine in that as well. The other thing would be, like we've mentioned, feedback from the team uh, and, and using emails, getting those kudos, putting those away, using categories, whatever that might be. But collect all that. You'd be surprised how much good and positive information you're getting throughout the year that would, you'll probably have to pick and choose what you want to put in your end of year review. Um, but don't don't let that stuff go to waste either. Yeah, it's, it's something we've both talked about. I'm, I'm trying to be more deliberate about giving kudos out both on LinkedIn and uh, at Workday. We have feedback, anytime feedback that you can give your coworkers. So uh, it's an important thing. So, you know, keep in mind the hardworking people on your extended team or people that you work with, uh, you know, on your direct team. 
and uh, give them feedback, give them those little nuggets uh, as they roll into their end of year review as well. Long, long time ago, I was a systems engineer, man, and I hated salespeople. I still don't know how I became a salesperson, <laughs> but uh, as that systems engineer, I always thought, man, I'm doing all the hard work. I'm running these SOWs. I'm configuring these builds, and they're making all the money. You know, don't forget, there there's a lot of people helping you be successful out there, no matter what role you're in in sales, so make sure you do that. Uh, another cool trick that I think I've used for years, Brian, uh, that maybe I didn't know about until I was trying to put all this content together was... I use WinWires as a way to track my performance throughout the year and, and gives me a great data set at the end of the year. So after my team and I work hard on a big deal and we close that big deal, I send the kudos. I include the partner that was involved, if there was one, kind of the solution set, the problem we were solving. I just tell a quick story in email. I put some headshots in there, some logos in there. It looks so professional, right? Um, we've probably all seen a win of the week from our company in some form or another, but when you write it and you send it, uh, people feel good. It's another way to give kudos. Uh, you're, you're telling everybody you didn't do it on your own and, and they appreciate that. It kind of fits in my bucket of me intentionally trying to share things broadly um, and helping others understand what I'm doing to win deals, uh, which is another little feather in my cap that happens throughout the year. And then I move them all to a folder called WinWires, and it's a real easy way for me to replay each of those big wins um, and what the competitive threat was, how I beat them, and it just makes it just makes the end of year review extremely easy. So do a little bit of work throughout each of those win cycles and when you wrap up a deal, and you'll be surprised how easy putting all that data together will be at the end of year. It's, it's so easy to put together a paragraph, two paragraphs on the competition, the extended team that was involved in the win. And you and I are, we've, we've been very transparent with, with everyone that listens to the show that we, we do this to, to earn an income and to make a living. Uh, not saying they're a thousand percent coin driven, but I mean, there are easier jobs, right? I guess the point I'm making though, is that it feels good to get a wind wire out with your name on it. If, if you're that person that had their name on it, and if you're trying to, you know, you have, we all have extended teams that we work with, people that don't work directly for us, that we try to get things done through. Those people, those engineers, like you called out, Bobby, that you used to be, it's exciting to see your name and the hard work that you put into it to see yourself called out on that wind wire. And it, it ha this has so many impacts. One, it tells the story of the deal. If you displace a competitor, the next time you know you send this out to the broad team, the next time somebody searches for that competitor, they're going to see your win wire there. So it allows you to tell the story. It allows you to give praise to your teammates. That makes your teammates feel good. Rightly so. They worked hard for you and with you. It also helps you the next time that they need to invest a, a Tuesday night for a Wednesday meeting that popped up. How much better are they going to feel about working with you? Because they know you care about that stuff. There's so many advantages to recognizing your teammates, whether it's giving direct kudos to them through a tool, through LinkedIn, through you know whatever system you use for HR, uh, and writing these these wind wires. It's so valuable. No doubt. So that's all about pulling it together. So hopefully we've given you a number of ideas. Like we said, don't wait till the next cycle. Start practicing today. Start putting that content together so that you can easily pull it together and share it with your manager when the time comes. So this might start all kinds of debates. Hope it does. Please comment if you if you want it. But Brian, what's the best format 
to use when it comes time for your end of year review. Well, I know what you're going to say. You're going to say PowerPoint. Is that right? Am I right? You are. You are correct. Yeah. And I like and I like PowerPoint. I do. I. I know what you're going to say. I know yeah, what you're going to say. What am I going to say? You're going to say Google Slides. Google Sheets is what I'm going to say. Yeah, I, I, it's, it still is like the way to to prepare a good, solid presentation. Uh, tell, it allows you to unfold a story in the way that you want to tell that story. Google Sheets or OneNote or kind of presenting it that way does kind of bury the lead sometimes. Sometimes it gets ahead. So I do, I do agree that even though I don't, I don't like the upkeep of, of, of PowerPoint, it does tell a good story. So I would say my suggestion is like, keep this data in a format that you can keep up to date, whether that's OneNote, Evernote, Google Sheets, whatever, keep it in something that you can keep it live and active. But PowerPoint is really probably the best format to, to share something like this. I, I do believe that we're talking about this final presentation or this final deliverable, right? So if I'm going to print it, if I'm going to use images and charts, it's, it's going to be for that final outcome true. Uh, I would say I probably collect all the information in OneNote throughout yeah. the year. Obviously, there's probably a spreadsheet of some form that's in there uh, for the numbers and the metrics. But yep. I do think that uh, the presentation is one that is it's also a living document. Here's where maybe some of the younger people listening don't get it. You know, throughout your career, people are going to ask you to present on yourself in more ways than one, right? Whether that's QBR, whether that's, um, you know, annual review, whether that's interview, whether that's uh, leadership development programs, all these things are going to culminate into a who are you and what have you done, right? People need that summarized. Um, so this deck, these slides can be reused in all those all those presentations, Um and then this should be something that grows and changes. And we'll talk a little bit about that. But, you know, if you put it all in PowerPoint, uh, it's easy to consume, whether it's in a, on a machine, uh, whether it's in print, and people can really understand who you are. If you, if you plan to print, the one warning I'll give everybody is build slides don't print well. So don't put a lot of build slides in there if you're going to print it. Um, and then this is a time where I would say I had a hard time, still have a hard time sometimes, but... And you got to be bold. You cannot be bashful when you put this deck together. It doesn't have to be a tell-all as much as it has to be accurate. And if you and your manager came up with some goals for you, you're really just articulating what those goals were. If you said, as Brian said many times, you want to be number one, and your manager never told you you weren't number one, call out that you and him think you're number one. Uh, that's a big, bold yep. bet. But if you haven't, then if you haven't been told you're not, then why not do it? And then maybe start beginning to stretch for next year. What are you wanting and what are you asking for? Start building those asks. What are some things you may be asked for that were bold? Brian? Well, let me let me go back real quick, if that's okay. What what is the advantage of being number one on the team for for maybe a new listener that didn't hear? Um, I, you know, we talked about this a few months ago. The the advantage of being number one on the team is that there is variable income for virtually every one of these roles the number one person on the team will get more stock, more bonus, whatever the variable aspect of your job is, that person gets that money, period. And if we, we all talk, we talk about all the time, Bobby, about not being average and then uh, the opportunity at hand of being in this industry at this time in this, you know, in this century, this is a, this is the gold rush of careers, in my opinion. 
being number one on the team sets you up in a really unique position to get all kinds of feedback, uh, to be a part of leadership teams, not to jump the gun. Um, but that's that's why I'm so intentional with every manager that I sit down with uh, whenever I join a new team or just kick off a new fiscal year or during my one-on-ones. My goal is to be number one on the team. It's not because of the money. Sure, that's a piece of it. But I want to be managed like that. I don't want to be managed like some just member of the team. I want I want the hard feedback. I want the stuff that makes me kind of cringe on a on a Friday night thinking, man, I messed this up. Man, I could have worked harder here. You don't get that kind of feedback if you're the average person on the team. And to add to that, what if the manager's average? So yeah. let's say a manager's average. Uh, at the end of the year, I'm managing 10 people, and I get a $50,000 bucket of bonuses to hand out. Uh, the easy math on that would be, why don't I give everybody 5000 bucks? Uh, that means the guy who has never been to a team meeting on Monday and never gone to a happy hour and never gone the extra mile is going to get the exact same amount of money as you as you've worked hard all year. So you get to set some precedents around that too uh, and maybe give like a manager a real reason to overcompensate that top 10%. Uh, that's what I want as well. And it, as you mentioned, the leadership development programs, I think it doesn't have to always be cash, right. but it does have to be the things that you want and are trying to accomplish in your career. So don't be bashful, be extremely bold. Um, and then at this point, you've, you've put this format together, you've put it in, a, uh, you've collected spreadsheets, you've collected attainment data, you've put it in a deck. You may not be extra great at PowerPoint, but uh, share it with people, ask for some feedback. We've talked about mentors and board of directors and all that's on previous episodes, but Go back and, and find out how to build that team of mentors and board of directors to share this with. They should be able to, to, to give you open and candid feedback. Um, I would even be willing to share it with some of my peers. If nothing else, a few younger team members who have no idea what to do, and, and they hopefully will share the benefit and help that I'm giving them as well. Agreed. I think people sometimes worry about, oh, man, if, if I share mine with them, all they're going to do is is copy and replace their name with mine and, and kind of pull off some slides that they weren't applicable, but they're going to make it better than mine. And I, I've always said, we've always talked about if, if it's, if that's your best work and that gets stolen, then, then you have work to do. Uh, you know, it, share that the, the best thing you can be doing here is share with your peers, uh, share with other people. Uh, it, it, it rises, you know, what do they say about, um, Rising tides raises all boats. Um, you make your team better. Your manager performs better. There's going to be a bigger bucket of money. It, it all leads to good things if you're sharing. No doubt. I'll add to that. Next week, we're going to talk a little bit about asking for, to go first. So even yeah. if you share with everybody and then you go first, everybody's just going to look like a copycat. Anyway. I like it. So we talked a little bit about the best format. So, so far today, we've talked about pulling it all together, putting in the best format, and now we're going to talk about practicing your story. So I've seen a lot of people do a lot of hard work to get to this point and then not practice. And man, I've heard horror stories about how that day went. Um, it is the day where you're going to be asking for a lot and hopefully getting a lot. Hopefully you've done the work all year and you're going to get a lot. So why not spend the, the right amount of time to prep for this? We've done, we've done entire series on meeting preparation with that first customer. If this is your first annual review with a first manager, why would you not put in the right level of effort for this meeting? 
just a, a ballpark, Brian. Uh, on the years where you've done it right, and I'm sure we've both done it wrong more than once, how much time have you spent preparing for your final conversation when it comes to your annual review? I, I think it, it's hard to know that because you're kind of you're doing if you're doing the right things over the course of the year, it makes the preparation at the end of the year a lot a lot easier, right? Um, but yeah, a, a few hours for sure uh, towards the end of the year, and and we'll we'll talk about this more next week. But it, it goes back to it goes back to what is the economic opportunity for preparing for this? We 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 put in all this work for a deal that we want commission on, right? What's the economic impact for preparing for this meeting? Agreed. So, how do you prepare? I think I think. There's two pieces. There's still the end of your review, and there's what are you going to do next year? What are you going to ask for for next year? Meaning merit badges, leadership development, blah, blah, blah. There's a lot of options around that. But And some companies split that into two conversations. So if you have two conversations, that might be a little bit easier. But start preparing for the dialogue around performance uh, review and, and acceptance of that review, and then kind of what are you going to ask for for next year? Now, something we've we've kind of avoided unintentionally here is, what if I had a bad year? Hmm. Hopefully no one listening to our podcast has had a bad year. But there's a real way that you can practice telling a story that will disguise some of your inconsistencies and or failures throughout the year. Um, you don't have to highlight all those, but you would be a fool not to highlight some of those in your own review if they were extremely obvious. As an example, if you're 90% of your number and your number was you should have been 100%, you definitely need to call that out, and you definitely need to not have excuses. You can share some economic reasons why you might not have gotten there, but I would I would probably practice telling that story in such a way that uh, you agreed with your manager to focus on other things. You, we, we agreed I was going to work on these stretch projects. I made some mistakes. I took my eye off the ball. Yes, I missed my number. Yes, that's unacceptable, but because of that, here's all the other good that happened, right? If you're not practicing to tell that story, um, you can expect to get a 90% goal uh, on, on your review. But if you help your manager tell that story to his manager and they're going to, they're going to stack rank you in some way, uh, make sure you're sharing that data with them. We're, and we're um, in a- I, would, I would share with you, Brian, to let you give me feedback. I mean, I'd want your candid feedback on my end of your review. And I, yeah, I, I agree with this. I think the, um, it, that we're in a, most of us are in emerging markets change, you know, really all of tech is so emerging and so changing when quotas are being put together. It's a guess a lot of times, right? For, because of new, like you say, either economic reasons, product reasons, market readiness reasons, there are any number of variables that might impact your performance in a year for even the best sellers out there. Um, knowing the more interesting conversation with a good manager is knowing why you struggled and what the plan is to repair it. And if you can have an intelligent conversation about, um, this is where I missed. I, I missed because of this. Here's what I'm doing to remedy it. And here are the early results from it. Don't show up with a bunch of, um, you know, a bunch of promises for this and that. Talk about the plan that's already in action. Don't don't just show up with a, a bunch of excuses, like you said, and promises to repair things in the future. Talk about what you're doing now. Talk about how. How you you missed here and be candid about it. A good manager will appreciate that and feel like they've got to make less of a point with you to make sure you fully understand the impact of your miss across their own business. And if you've never managed, 
managing is a lot like parenthood. And, and if you're not a parent, you'll, you'll, this will all make <laughs> yes. sense one day too. But we've all been there. We've all done that. So the manager has been there at a point where he struggled in some way or she struggled in some way. It's not new to them. So you can't, you can't hide from the obvious, right? Uh, the other thing that we mentioned last week is there should be no surprises in this end of your review. If, if you were doing the right things throughout the year and your one-on-ones and your, your mid-year reviews and all that stuff, none of this or your performances should be a surprise and, and there should be a plan that you're implementing, as Brian said. Finally, I, you know, I said I would share with you, Brian, ask your feedback. If I, was, if I was to take on a new job somewhere and I didn't know these managers, I, I would ask you to role play with me. Whether you're in London or Texas, I, I would ask you to, to ask me the hard questions. Let me practice my responses. Um, we'll talk a lot about it next week, but the, the economic benefit is so great that I, I've been known to spend a whole lot of time practicing to really be prepared for all the things that might come my way in this conversation. Agreed. We, uh, you know, the one thing, one way I look at this is uh, the first 30 seconds of every conversation. When you're setting the tone for this meeting, um, it's it's critical to think through how do you want to mold and shape this conversation? It's so while the thirty second, the first thirty seconds are in, are incredibly important, like an interview or a customer meeting. Think of this as the same way. Treat this with the same kind of um, um, you know diligence or deliberate action as you would uh, as a customer meeting or an interview. And finally, we're here to help you guys. We spend a lot of time recording these podcasts and putting this stuff together. I've uh, accepted a half dozen LinkedIn invites and conversations in the past few days from listeners. I'd love to help you. We're here to help. Don't hesitate to ask us for help. We'll be happy to take a peek at your end of your review and give you some feedback. And I think at the end of the day, we say it often, but don't, don't be average. Do whatever level of all this stuff you're willing to do to not be average. Um, we've given you a lot of tools in just the past two weeks on how to make your end of year the best end of year review possible. Um, use it. Take advantage of it. And then tune in next week to hear how to get that big reward. Uh, we say it a lot. It is the truth. Average is the enemy. Please share the podcast with a friend. Thanks for listening. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Tech Sales Show. Subscribe to our email list at www.techsaleshow.com and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Tech Sales Show. Until next week, average is the enemy.